0: I became the minister in charge of the vaccine rollout, January 2021. The first thing I noticed was there's no digital system to record Mm -hmm. who get vaccinated.
1: This is Taro Kono. And as he says, his job was to keep track of Japan's COVID vaccination effort. But the system he was put in charge of was very old school, to say the least.
0: The health ministry said, yes, uh, we have a paper. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I said we're going to we're going to vaccinate 100 million people twice and uh, if we are trying to keep track of who has been vaccinated with papers and then, and then I asked them okay how am i going to know how many vaccinations done on a certain date mm. with count papers forget it
1: This emphasizes the problem that Japan and many other countries are facing right now, the need to digitalize society. Something that has been highlighted during the COVID-19 pandemic, with whole populations being vaccinated within months, people working remotely, and kids being homeschooled. But how do you get less tech-savvy users to jump on the digitalization train? And how do you convince people that the government can be trusted to keep medical records and other sensitive personal information safe? The Nordic countries are frontrunners in some of the most digitalized societies in the world. So we'll also hear about how they have succeeded in bringing their populations into the digital age. I'm Afton Halloran, and you're listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. Since the invention of the printing press some 600 years ago, we've written, printed, and kept important information on paper and sent it around the world. But the computer and internet have, to a large extent, made the necessity to use paper redundant. Now we can store important information and access it easier and faster. But in many places, the digital revolution is just getting started. One of these places is Japan, where Taro Kono is a member of the Liberal Democratic Party. He's served as the Minister of Digital Affairs since August 2022.
0: We are going through the digital transformation. A lot of Japanese, when they hear digital transformation, what comes to their mind is uh, the movie by Charlie Chaplin, The Modern Times
1: a movie about a man struggling to survive in the modern industrial world with new jobs and ways of life and with desperate employment and financial conditions. A situation in which many draw parallels to when considering the challenges of the digital transformation. But to those who may think so, Tato has a reassuring message.
0: We're not trying to create a society like that. We are trying to create a society where you can actually, you know, uh, sit next to uh, your grandmother and take care of them, uh, talk to them. So in order to do that, I think we just have to use the technology so the less number of people could take care of the same number of people. So that's what we are trying to do. And they're going to be a big, big hurdle, oh. and uh, it's going to be a long way.
1: Figuring out what to do with the aging population is one of Japan's biggest challenges. They're the country in the world with the highest share of people over the age of 65. Actually, it's every third citizen, and it's going to be even more in the next 15 years. So Japan needs to put a lot of new digital systems in place, not only to cut down on the paper bureaucracy, but also to free up caregivers of the elderly.
0: Japan's a losing population. I mean, we're losing half a million Mm. a year, right? And we are aging. Society is aging. They're going to be more frail senior people. And we need to stand by with them. We have to take care of them. But if the population is going down, but the people over 65, number is increasing. If we continue business as usual, we're not going to be able to take care of them.
1: Luckily, there are some countries that have been successful in making the digital transition. Take Denmark, for example. What we've done in Denmark is
2: the past 25 years, we worked actually on our digital journey. And one of the key words here is cooperation.
1: This is Ræge Hogar zerberg She's participating online in this Nordic Talks event held at the University of Creativity in Tokyo, Japan, arranged by the Nordic Embassies and the Nordic Innovation House Tokyo. As the former head of the Danish Digitalization Agency, Reike has been a significant part of the digital transformation in Denmark.
2: So what we did back 22 years ago was that
1: there was a task force formed. That task force ended up formulating a nationwide digital strategy, making Denmark one of the first countries in the world to do so.
2: What we actually did manage was to build slowly an infrastructure in Denmark This infrastructure is what we're using today for all the public sector and also private sector digitization. And um, the infrastructure consists of some key elements and we are
1: keeping on building on that. One of the key elements is that all Danes have an electronic ID and a digital mailbox where they can receive letters from their doctor, bank or the tax authorities, for example.
2: Also a part of our a, a digital um, infrastructure is that we have a citizen portal and we have a business portal, but the citizen portal called the citizen.dk, is um, actually you access to all public sector in Denmark. You can find all forms, all things you want to do and interact with the public sector where you beforehand had to go to, to the different uh, authorities. Now you can go uh, with the citizen portal and... and, and do your business. You use your EID to identify yourself and then you can do everything you want to do. You can, if you need social welfare, you can apply for it there. You can, uh, if you have your child, child want to go to kindergarten or school, you can uh, put it on waiting list there. You can change your address. Um, you can see your doctor results. You COVID 19 um, test answers. Um, so this infrastructure uh, is basically
1: used by all Danes now. But the authorities didn't get the Danes to use the electronic ID, the digital mailbox and the digital portal by forcing them to do it.
2: When the laws were made that this was mandatory for the citizens, there was an exception. So you had an opportunity if you not had a computer at home um, or you were not able to use a computer, you could still have a paper trial. And actually, we had a goal that 80% of the Danes should use this uh, digital solutions. And today, it's 92% of the Danes who actually use it and uh, have a high satisfaction.
1: Denmark can also brag about having the highest rate of elderly people in Europe who use the internet. But as Reige admits, it hasn't always been smooth sailing.
2: We also have elderly people who has a hard time keeping up with the speed and the, the oh. hastening of society at all, but we have to remember that in the paper trail world, there's also elderly people or people who not have the best skills, mm-hmm. who are having a hard time keeping up with the forms, understand forms, uh, understand the dialogue with the public sector. And, and that's that's not something that created in the digital world. That's mm-hmm. a problem we had dealt with for many years. But actually, the digital uh, solutions also give opportunities yeah. to communicate in other forms. You can make uh, small videos, or you can make small interactive things on the internet, who actually make it easier to understand, also for disabled people. Um, like when you have a hearing problem, or um, or if you're blind, or there's some there's also solutions digitally which yeah. actually make it easier for the group who's normally is. Um,
1: is having a hard time dealing with the public sector. Helping people to see the advantages of digitalization is key to active participation in digital transformation. That's the message from Henrik Johansson, who's also taking part in this Nordic Talks event. He's been working on digital solutions for companies and platforms such as Spotify and Crypto.com.
3: One thing that, that is absolutely essential here is that uh, you consider very carefully from the point of, uh, of the user, what is the actual value that these services will provide to me? Why should I be participating in this? And uh, what does it give to me that is better than what I have today? And I think if, if you cannot articulate that well enough, then it's very difficult to, yeah. to convince people to partake and, and come with you on this journey.
1: making people see the advantages of digitalization is not always enough to convince them to come on board. Assuring citizens that they can trust the authorities with their data is also very important. According to Taro Kono from the Japanese parliament, it's important to look at the issue of trust from two standpoints. One is about feeling secure that the authorities can protect your data from being hacked or stolen. And the other is about trusting the people within the authorities to handle your data.
0: If we put the medical record or bank transfer or whatever, uh, someone who's authorized to use this information, uh, are they they going to misuse that? Mm -hmm. Or they're going to do what they're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to do the tax return as long as Uh, the tax office, use it for proper purpose. Mm. But if they misuse it for other things, Mm. or the police agency misuse my Mm. record for something else, Mm. that's a different kind of thing.
1: Talking to Raiga, who's been working on this issue for years, building trust takes a lot of work. But trust can vanish in an instant if it's misused.
2: Trust is very, very hard to build, but it's very oh. easy to lose again. Oh. And I think it's correct that the Scandinavian countries and, and Denmark, they, the citizens have a very high degree of trust to begin with. And um, then when you have these systems, um, you can't afford to have a lot of failures because then people are starting to mistrust them. Oh. Our EID, we had it for more than 10 years. There's been six billion transactions um, with the EID and very, very few um, um, accidents or incidents where it it got stolen, but, but it has happened. And actually, there's just been some cases in Denmark now where there are some thieves that have been very creative and, and standing by the physical mailbox because you get a little card with numbers on in Denmark uh, to, to use for your EID Then been standing waiting for the mailman to show up um, with this card and then stole it. And and that has started a discussion on on the trustworthiness of the EID. But oh. the fact is that it's been used six billion times and all the Danes use it. This particular thing for every day for the banks, for Insurance, all public sector for health authorities and so on, and and they have a long history now of uh, of using the EID, and it's a big a, a big uh, foundation for the trust. But the stories start to come out now with the tech some tech companies who have misused uh, data from the public sector, and we can actually see that it has an impact on the. Um, under the trust, also in government from um, from the Danes. So it's I, I really mean it's very easy to lose <coughs> the trust again, and you have to be very careful and very careful with your data um, to maintain the trust that we luckily had from the beginning
1: um, in Denmark. Henrik agrees with Reiger, and he himself wouldn't trust anyone with his data right off the bat without knowing that it was safe and wasn't being misused. So naturally it will take time for governments to build the necessary trust among citizens.
3: As with any, whether it's a system to system or person to person, uh, I don't expect anyone to trust me immediately when we first meet. uh, It takes a bit of time to build that trust together, right? Uh, And I think that that, that's a journey, right? That has to start somewhere. Uh, I wouldn't give you my bank details uh, immediately, but, you know, <laughs> maybe someday I would if we yeah. know each other. <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but the point is that it takes a while for, for you and me to build that level of trust. Oh. And it takes a while for me to build trust in systems and technology and agencies uh, and whoever I choose to share this data with. Oh.
1: Reige and Henrik stressed that both public and private sectors must work together to build trust in the population.
3: From the private sector, we need to work very closely with uh, our friends in government, for example, to educate about these technologies and uh, raise the level of understanding.
2: There's some discussion needed before you start to introduce your um, your solutions, um, but you have to do it combined in cooperation with as many parties as ever possible, um, participating in the dialogue and conversation, both to maintain and build the trust.
3: I hope that, you know, as a representative of the private sector here, that uh, that we can open up these types of dialogues and oh. push this forward together.
1: Looking to Denmark once again, there's a very good example of how private and public sectors can work together to build trust and demonstrate the positive impact of digitalization on society. The public sector actually made a um, cooperation with the confederation
2: of the elderly people in Denmark. It's a very large confederation oh. was very active. And uh, they actually made courses for all elderly people out in all municipalities, very locally, uh, to learn how to use your EID, to learn how to use your iPad. Um, and it was a huge success that we actually got the civil uh, society involved in the whole transformation and um, and engaged in that. Wow. And, and what we discovered was that the elderly people, they actually love to learn. They actually love to learn to use their iPad to have their conversations with their grandchildren. Yeah. And um, and what we see now is that a lot of the elderly people um, actually like the, the systems. Um, and then it was also important that, all the municipalities, they had um, a service center where you could show up physically and then you could talk to a person and then you can could also get um, information or help if you have some difficulties.
1: This example of helping the elderly population is something that Taro Kono is inspired by.
2: We are soon terminating
0: the telephone service for the old-style oh, cell phones. So everyone would have to move out of so-called... Uh, garake Mm. to smartphone and uh, then i think we need to probably create some kind of community uh, center where uh, senior people could go there with their uh, new smartphone learn Mm. how to use it Mm. and then we can start including those senior people into Mm. a smartphone system and we are now moving my number onto the smartphone, Mm -hmm. so then they can access to their government service Mm -hmm. with their smartphone. So I think that'll be the turning point and we need to be ready uh, to have uh, infrastructure for that.
1: I'm originally from Canada and my family back home are always astonished when I tell them about how I communicate with health and tax authorities in Denmark through one digital inbox. My grandfather, before he passed away, had never been online. He didn't have an email account either. So it's easy for me to understand some of the bumps in the road when it comes to digital transformation. But it's inevitable that digitalization and digital solutions will be greater parts of our everyday lives in the near future. And for those seeking inspiration on how to do it in the most efficient and successful way, looking to countries like Denmark can be beneficial. Denmark succeeded in including and educating the public, especially the elderly, on how to use different digital solutions. And of course, a high level of trust from the public has made the digital transition very successful. In the future, we will probably see even more cooperation between public and private sectors, when new digital solutions that can benefit us all are being rolled out. Something my grandfather would never have imagined. Do you want to organize your own Nordic Talks event? Check out nordictalks.com for all of the resources that you'll need to get started. I'm Afton Halloran. Thanks for listening.